Well, welcome to the house of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Nahum. Everyone say Nahum. And, and, and it's kind of a running theme in the book of the minor prophets. If you can find Nahum, you're going to heaven automatically, as we say around here. Uh, it's, um, anyways, just before the New Testament, little, little bitty three chapter book, and, uh, but it's just powerful in the spirit. So tonight what we want to do is open up this book and read it and ask the Lord to speak to us tonight. And so what I'll do is read uh, the, chapter one, verses one through 10. And then I'll pray and we'll jump in. So hear the word of the Lord from the prophet Nahum. Says a report on the problem of Nineveh. Everyone say Nineveh. The way God gave Nahum of Elkosh to see it. God is serious business. I'm reading out of the message translation. God is serious business and he won't be trifled with. He avenges his foes. He stands up against his enemies fierce and raging, but God doesn't lose his temper. He's powerful, but it's a patient power. Still, no one gets by with anything. Sooner or later, everyone pays. Tornadoes and hurricanes are the wake of his passage. Storm clouds are the dust he shakes off his feet. He yells at the sea and it dries up. All the rivers run dry. When God stands up, something happens in creation even. The Bashan and Carmel Mountains shrivel. The Lebanon orchards shrivel. Mountains quake in their roots and hills dissolve into mudflats. Earth shakes in fear of God. The whole world's in a panic. Who can face such towering anger? Who can stand up to this fierce rage? His anger spills out like a river of lava. His fury shatters boulders. God is good, a hiding place in tough times. He recognizes and welcomes anyone looking for help, no matter how desperate the trouble, but cozy islands of escape, wherever you're trying to run away from him, he wipes right off the map. No one gets away from God. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, thanks be to God, Lord, we need you to speak. We really do. We need you to open up the scriptures and enliven us. It says in the Psalms that the unfolding of God's word gives light. So Lord, we're, we're trusting that tonight the preaching of the word will in fact be the word of God, that Jesus would inhabit these frail human words. Jesus, would you race through this place and would you race through our hearts and would you break off of us everything that needs to be broken off of us and would you raise us to new life in your spirit? Jesus, we need you tonight. Be the word for us. So we pray with the psalmist, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And we pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Long before the Nazis, there were the Ninevites. Nineveh. Everyone said it earlier, it was the first standing army in world history. These were the Assyrians. The great Assyrian empire was the greatest superpower the the world had ever known at the time. First professional army. Most of the times when nations would get invaded, they'd have to call the farmers in and they'd bring their plowshares and, you know, turn them into weapons and they'd, you know, just try to make do. But the Assyrians were skilled in war. 
they had perfected torture. There was sort of an abominable cruelty that became their art form. New developments in technology and a really strong economy in Assyria made them a global war machine. Outward facing, as a nation, they would go in and they would dominate and they would terrorize. And anywhere they stormed, there would be a dust cloud behind them. And then anytime they left, they would leave a, a city wiped clean. Outward facingly, the Assyrians were brutal, but also inward facingly, they were, they were a terror. They would, they would dominate. If you were a part of the top 1%, life was really good for you in Assyria. But if you were everybody else, life was not good for you. The widows and the orphans and the elderly and the poor, they were overlooked, they were dominated. The motto of the Assyrians, if I could sum it up for you, was brutalize the little guys. They would take advantage of everyone who was lesser, everyone who was weaker, everyone who was poorer. They just dominated folks outwardly and inwardly. The Assyrians brutalized the little guys. The people of God were some of those little guys that took a thrashing from the Assyrians. They came in and they ransacked the Holy Land. They, they stormed in and they tortured them and they jacked up the temple and they rearranged their culture and they separated folks and took them off into exile. And Nahum calls them, he uses one word to summarize what Assyria was to the world. And the word is lion. They destroyed. They, they, they ravaged. They were lions. We've turned Jonah into a punching bag. Jonah's another one of the minor prophets. You know, God called him to go down to Nineveh. And he's the guy who ran away from God's call in the opposite direction to Tarshish and all that. We, we, we've punked Jonah and turned him into a punching bag. But this is precisely why Jonah didn't want to go down to Nineveh. Because they were brutal. They would hang people up on poles out in public squares and scalp them. I mean, they were the ones that were perfecting torture. Jonah said, I'm, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Was hundreds of years of ruthless domination not enough for you, God, to, to just realize that sending me down there, I'm a liability. My life is going to be taken away from me. These people will tear me to shreds. They will be a lion to me. But Jonah eventually did his job and he went down to them and proclaimed repentance. Repent, God is going to judge you. And, and shockingly enough, 120,000 of them, the whole city fasted and prayed. Even their animals fasted and prayed. They just didn't get fed. And these people came back to God. They gave their hearts to God. The book of Jonah, which it's written in the early 600s-ish BC. We'll just kind of pick some rough numbers. And the message is from Jonah, God has mercy for the Ninevites. All those brutal people, the lions, the people who are tearing people to shreds. God will be patient with you. God will give mercy to you. God is the God who is gracious and slow to anger. And, and, and sure enough, they repent and they receive God's mercy and they change their ways for just a little bit. But decades go by and they go back to their brutalized muscle memory and they start terrorizing people because it makes their economy better and it makes them feel more powerful and, and they can kind of peacock around the region and let everyone know that we're in charge here. They went back to their old ways. And so the book of Nahum comes to us in 520 BC, about 90 years later, we'll say. And the, the message of the book of Nahum is that God announces an end to the Ninevites. The ones who had been given mercy, the ones who had been invited into God's kingdom, the ones who had been forgiven by God's extravagant grace now have been announced that they're coming to an end. And the mercy of God, what I wanna to suggest to you, 
it meets a breaking point here. God is not to be trifled with. There's a threshold. God has a threshold of tolerance for brutal tyrants. God steps in between the powerful who are dominating the weak, and he says, thus far and no further, you can't do that anymore. God is the one who imposes himself and stands in between the powerful and the weak and says, you will not do this. God will not tolerate continual mistreatment of the little guys. This is the God that we serve. I'll say it this way, God is not a soft and sappy distribution center of cheap grace. A lot of t- I remember being a kid kind of thinking of salvation as sort of a commodity or a lever I can pull and you know, just as long as I manage it right, like if I mess up, it doesn't really matter because then I can just go pray and then I can mess up again because I know that if I pray that God will, you know, he's, got a, he's a man of his word and I sort of handcuff him into, I, I, no one ever really taught me that but I started thinking man, maybe you can sort of work that a little bit and I think that this text lets us know that God is not some soft and sappy distribution center of cheap grace. Another way you might say it is the kindness and mercy of God is not to be mistaken for a free pass to do whatever we want. God says no to the Ninevites. Nahum 2.13, it says, behold, this is God speaking, I am against you, declares Yahweh of hosts, and I will burn your chariots in smoke, and the sword shall devour your young lions, all your leaders who are being trained in war, and all your leaders who are being trained in tyranny, and all your leaders who are being trained in world domination just because you can. I'm going to devour your young lions, and I will cut off your prey from the earth, and the voice of your messengers shall no longer be Heard, God is not some soft and sappy distribution center of cheap grace. God is not to be trifled with when it comes to the, the brutalization of the little guys. Nahum 3, God speaks again and says, Behold, I am against you. And I will lift up your skirts over your face. And I will make the nations look at your nakedness and kingdoms at your shame. I'm not playing around. Nahum is a divine no. No more. I'm gracious, I'm slow to anger, I'm I'm patient, I'll give you room to come in and I invite anyone to the table, but at some point, if you're gonna continue to manipulate my mercy and and terrorize other people so that you can get the upper hand in in the world, no. (laughs) Some of you, I'll say tonight, have experienced excruciating pain and betrayal at the hands of others. People who are powerful. Maybe it was a high school coach. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a grandparent. Maybe it was someone on your street, a parent of one of your neighbor kids. Some of you experience brutalized, uh, you, you've been brutalized. You've experienced terror. Something in you aches for justice and vindication. and Something in you aches to be protected and to be helped and to be secured, to be surrounded because you've known what it is for someone to just come into your life and, and terrorize you and destroy it. And I'll just tell you tonight that your ache for justice is a God-given ache. That no that is in you is from God. 
You won't do it. You're not gonna do it to my people. You're not gonna mess with my kids. You're not gonna play around with the little guy just because you're stronger. You will not be a bully. Goliath will fall. Somehow the little guy is gonna win because I am the God who protects the weak and the vulnerable and the elderly and the widows and the orphans and those who have no home. I'm the God who will stand up for those who cannot stand up for themselves. So if you have been brutalized and if you've been wounded and you have an ache for justice, I'm telling you that God gave you that and Nahum the prophet introduces us to a hugely important biblical theme which is the vengeance of God we just want to make God so precious like oh he's just the grandfather in the sky you know the, the, the heavenly Santa Claus that you just tell, sit on his lap and tell him what he no when God sees his creation gone awry when God sees people that bear his image destroying other people that bear his image he doesn't play around he, Nahum says in verse 2 God is serious business he won't be trifled with and he avenges his foes he stands up against his enemies fierce and raging. And this is all throughout scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35, God says, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. In due time, their foot, the foot of the strong person will slip and their day of disaster is near and their doom rushes upon them. Some of you have watched the Avenger movies. I think I've seen one of them. I'm not, that's not really my genre. Some of you are like, how can you even call yourself a man if you haven't watched all of the, the series? I haven't. I've seen maybe one, and I think I was just doing it for my boys. Billion-dollar box office hits. Just, just roll them out, and they're just guaranteed to bring in a billion dollars. Doesn't mean just, just big people flying around, destroying things, and Avengers, right? What it tells me is that we all have, and we're hardwired with, an appetite for justice. We want the bad guys to lose. We want justice and vindication and righteousness. We want the little guys to win. The people who were minding their own business and their lives got destroyed because someone decided they wanted to destroy them. God says no, and we as human beings say no with him. Like, that's not going to work. It's not okay. Your appetite for justice has been given to you by God. David the great shepherd of Israel, the psalmist. Psalm 23, one of the most iconic passages in the scriptures, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. David, the young one who got called out of the field minding his own business and anointed by the prophet, and he goes into Saul's house and initially it's working for him and Saul is really rejoicing because David plays the harp and his demonic, ter the terror that's getting him is silence because David's there, but as David rises up and the nation of Israel galvanizes to him, Saul starts throwing spears and trying to pin him against the wall and David is flushed out into the wilderness and he's living in the cave of Adullam and he's done nothing wrong at this point and he's fighting for his life and David's out there in the cave saying, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What did I do to deserve this? But surely you're the God who's gonna bring vindication and justice and mercy and surely God does it for David. Jesus shows up in the middle of human history and the ministry of Jesus is essentially Jesus standing between the ruthless powerful and the vulnerable weak and saying, I will be your savior. I will protect you and I will deliver you. And he says no so that he can be a yes for all the people whose lives have been a no. 
Jesus comes to do this work. And one day Jesus is out ministering and the most tender and the most vulnerable run up to him. The children run up to him because they're so magnetized to God made flesh. And all the serious people, the powerful people, get out of here, kids, you're stupid. You're interrupting the program. And you know, and Jesus shuts everyone down and goes, are you serious? These are the ones that I came for. Like, and if you can't see that, I came for them first. And unless you become like one of them, you're missing out on the kingdom. Jesus says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. And I don't think he's just even talking about babies here. Let the little ones, let all the little guys who've been brutalized, let them come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Matthew 18, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea and woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. Jesus is essentially saying, don't mess with the God who sees the vulnerable. Do not leverage your power against them. Leverage your power to serve them. Lift up the little ones. Lay your life down. And Jesus lays his life down to show us what it looks like. Nahum's good news to the powerless is this. God will act. The people who spent their lives being brutalized and terrorized, God will act. If you've been torn asunder by the lions, I'm here to tell you tonight that God will act. And if you've been abandoned, God will act. And if you've been falsely accused, God will act. And if you've been taken advantage of, God will act. And if you've been sexually abused, God, my heart breaks for you. And I'm here to tell you tonight, absolutely, God will act to bring vindication and justice. If you've lived under the iron fist of a tyrannical parent or an abusive boss or a bad coach or something, God is going to act. I remember being in late high school and early college and there was a figure, a man in my life that was like a lion. He just, he scared me, he had power. He had power to like push buttons on my life and, and, and really hurt me and hurt my family and I was afraid and I walked around kind of looking over my shoulder. Have you ever been in one of those seasons where you felt attacked and you just thought that any moment this could be the moment where it all falls apart? I remember that man and I remember being scared and I remember feeling the power that it seemed like he could control my life and here I am 20 years later and can I tell you the good news God has acted and that man who was like a lion is like a neutered feral cat in my life been declawed and defanged and he's got no control over me and he has no levers that he can pull and I bless him, I'm not mad at him. That's the miracle of God's mercy is that he's actually taken the, the poison out of my soul about this guy. I bless him and I pray for him, but he has no power over me. A man who 20 years ago felt like he could destroy my life if he wanted to has no power because God is the God who eventually shows up and stands in between and says, no, you will not do that. God is the God who will act. And this is the good news of Nahum the prophet. He says in verse 15 of chapter one, look, there on the mountains, the feet of one who brings good news, who proclaims peace. Those of you who have anything but peace, look, it's coming, the one on the mountain, the feet, he's walking into town, the one who's gonna proclaim good news and who announces 
peace. And I'm here tonight to all of you who have been crushed. I announce to you, and, and it's in advance, and you may not feel things change tonight or change tomorrow in your circumstances, but peace is coming. Peace is coming. Peace is coming. God will act. Can you say amen? The second thing that Nahum says that I want to point out to you is Nahum's caution to the powerful. And essentially he says, beware. If you find yourself strong, if you find yourself in a, in a, in a good position, he says, beware. If you're, because if you're living your life against someone else and if you're making life harder for someone else or if you're exploiting someone else's weakness or if you're making decisions that are costing other people their peace, if you are taking advantage of someone else, Nahum says you have invited God to be against you. Think about that. God will be against you if you're living this way. The, the powerless, the poor, the weak, the brutalized, God will act. But he says to those who have power, and he says to us, those of us who have power, don't, don't stand against God's people because if you do, God will oppose you. God will be against you. And here's the temptation when we read a text like this. We start thinking about all those bad people out there, the, the lion in my life 20 years ago and the, all those bad people. But if you keep reading the Bible, what you see is that everyone is guilty. On some level and in some way, all of us are guilty. The Ninevites and the Edomites, all those bad people out there, absolutely yes. But it's also the Israelites and the Levites who have been infected by it. It's the Egyptians and the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Persians and the Romans, absolutely. But it's also the Jews and it's also pastors and preachers. We just heard this horrendous story yesterday of, of, of someone who was acclaimed in the kingdom of God who's been abusing women for decades, hundreds of women. It's just come to the, and, and it's, it's gotten into the church, to the American Christians. The reality is we're all guilty on some level. And the psalmist in Psalm 130 verse three said, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins. Oh Lord, who could stand? It's not just all those bad people out there. It's Lord, I've been a lion in someone else's life and I've leveraged my power against someone else and I've tried to keep people underneath me to hold position and God have mercy on me. If you kept a record of sins, Lord, we would all be in trouble. And so here's what I wanna say to you about Jesus. Jesus came because there was no one left who was worthy. <laughs> Jesus came because he's, he's the only one who was clean. Jesus came because he's the only one holy. Jesus came because the infection of evil had spread throughout the entire human race. We had all become the Ninevites. <laughs> and so Jesus came and he carried a cross of Calvary to take the hit, to exhaust the sting of evil and to bear it in his own body. And we all gathered around the foot of the cross to some extent, and we added our lash on his back or the spear in his side or the crown of thorns. We, we all participated in the murder and the death of the son of God. And Jesus came to take the hit and to show us that God is irrevocably for us. Even in our madness, even in our brutalizing, even every bad decision we've ever made, Jesus came to bear it in his own body and he came to fulfill Nahum 1 verse 15 which says, look there on the mountains, the feet of the one who brings good news and who proclaims peace. Jesus hanging on Calvary, the great mountain outside of Jerusalem and in his own body he's proclaiming the good news of forgiveness and a fresh start for the world, we found out that day that God's love is inexhaustible. 
that he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities and the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his stripes we have been healed. God will act. Tonight if you sit here in this room and you feel the threat and you feel like you're surrounded by lions and you feel like you've been brutalized and you feel like you're underneath someone else's power, I'm here to tell you tonight that in the name of Jesus, God has come to act and God will vindicate and God will protect and you'll look and see that that lion has been driven away from you. And if you are carrying power and you've mismanaged it. Jesus has come to take away our sins. Jesus has come to proclaim good news. And so tonight what we do is we look at Jesus on the cross and we see what power is supposed to look like. We see how power is supposed to be spent. We see how our lives are meant to be given for other people. Let me show you just how different Jesus is. David out in the cave of Adullam, out in the wilderness on the run for his life said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. But Jesus is different because Jesus is the one who prepared a table and invited a world full of his enemies. Jesus prepared a table and said, come, all of you, come. I'll feed you, I'll give you my broken body, I'll give you my shed blood. I will be for you so that you can learn to be for each other. Tonight, can you bow your heads and close your eyes in the presence of the Lord? I wanna talk to the two groups tonight, those of you who feel terrorized, those of you who feel powerless. I want to say in the name of Jesus tonight and with the authority of the scriptures, and I pray that by the spirit of God, you can hear it. Peace. Where you're afraid where you've been anxious, where you've lost sleep, where you've lived looking over your shoulder, where you've wondered when the next shoe is gonna drop, when it's all gonna come falling apart in Jesus' name tonight. I pray that you hear peace. And Father, I pray that you would stand up and protect, that you would vindicate, that you would have mercy, that you would guard, that you would stand strong in their defense. And Lord, I pray you would protect them and guard them and heal them and run off every lion that threatens to destroy their lives. And Lord, I pray that the peace of God would come to a people who are terrorized. Let the peace settle. Lord, for those of us tonight who feel the conviction that we've We've lived our lives against. We've lived our lives trying to step over someone else or trying to keep people in their place so that we can stay on top. Lord, I pray that tonight you would break every bit of pride off of us. I pray that you'd break every bit of that tendency in us to try to have to win at someone else's loss. Lord, I pray tonight that we would see Jesus on the cross and discover what power was meant for. I pray tonight that we would learn how to leverage our lives for other people, learn how to lay down our lives for other people. So Lord, for those in the room tonight who have power, I pray that we would be those who lay it all down so that others can be lifted up. Make us a generous people, make us a, a holy people, make us a tender people. In Jesus' name we pray tonight. And all God's people said, amen. Will you stand with me and grab your communion elements? Lisa, could you hand me a communion cup? She would grab the communion cup and we're gonna worship here. Tonight, I think the way I want us to think about communion is 
This is a moment to be retrained in mercy, a moment to be retrained in meekness, a moment to be retrained in kindness, a moment to be retrained in compassion. Jesus is God from all eternity and he comes and he's broken. He gives himself, he lays himself down, he pours himself out. This is the God who doesn't withhold his, his power for himself. He gives his power for us. And we're here tonight because of the gift of Jesus. And so as we come to the table of the Lord, what we're taking in is we're taking in mercy. We're taking in meekness. We're taking in kindness. We're taking in compassion. And so Lord, here we are. Jesus, we need you to heal us. We need you to guard us. We need you to make us new tonight. So on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And as often as you do this, do this for the remembrance of me. You may receive the broken body tonight. On the same night, Jesus took the cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood and it's given for the remission of all your sins forgiving you Ninevites though you may be (laughs) infected though you may be with evil and you may have terrorized whatever it is whatever whatever you bring to this moment as you hold the cup Jesus says this is the new covenant given in my blood and it's given for the remission of all of your sins and as often as you do this do this for the remembrance of me. You may receive the cup from Jesus. We're gonna worship the Lord here together. I wanna invite you to open your hands and open your hearts and begin to ask God to drive that meekness and that mercy and that tenderness home deep in in your hearts. Let's worship the Lord together.
bright smiling countenance upon you and all of your people that he would grant you peace tonight in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit and all god's people said amen let's give god thanks for what he's done here tonight good to be with you thanks for coming tonight stay warm out there good gracious it's coming in this weekend so go put your sweats on and start the fire up go from here in god's grace and peace much love